All right. It is 7 o'clock. We're getting ready here for a pretty exciting show, it sounds like, of uh, Ask Your Herb Doctor. Let me see. 7 o'clock here at KMUD. You got tuned in to KMUD, Garberville 91.1 FM and HD1, KMUE, Eureka 88.1 FM and HD1, KLEI, Laytonville at 90.3 FM. FM Translator K258BQ, that's up in Shelter Cove at 99.5. And everyone else, you got us on the web, kmud.org. Support for KMUD comes from listeners like you and from Chautauqua Natural Foods. Locally owned for over 25 years, they specialize in local and organic produce, natural groceries, nutritional supplements, and body care products. Chautauqua Natural Foods is open Monday through Saturday, 9 to 7, Sunday, 10 to 5, just off the town square in Garberville. Also, support for KMUG comes from the Humboldt County Department of Health and Human Services, seeking foster families throughout the Humboldt County region. Do you have space in your life to make room for a child? Foster children in our community needs homes. And stipends are available. You can get more information on becoming a foster family by calling 707-499-3410. And also, KMUD thanks Organic Grace, a green home general store with everything from organic mattresses and bedding to green building products, including non-toxic, non-toxic paints and sealers. Specializing in healthy kitchenware and food-preserving supplies like stainless steel dehydrators and old world pickling crocks. Organic Grace is on the main street in Garberville and on the web at organicgrace.com. All right. Hold on. Coming up. Ask your...
Well, a very good evening to you all. Uh, this is Ask Your Herb Doctor on KMUD Galbaville 91.1 FM. Um, from 7.30 till the end of the show, 8 o'clock, callers, uh, as usual, are invited to call in with any questions. Uh, I would like to try and uh, iterate that. I would really appreciate uh, those people that are listening uh, this evening to the show that have questions around the subject of the show. I'd really appreciate that. Just to uh, keep Dr. Pete's attention uh, focused firmly on the subject and to keep the listeners uh, informed as much as possible about this month's subject, which is going to be about breast cancer. Um, in the last uh, couple of months, um, I've been approached by quite a few people, actually a startling number of people that have either known someone who's going through breast cancer treatment uh, I've met people that have been dying of breast cancer and it's just prompted me to bring this subject up again. I, th I believe we have spoken about it in the past, um, but this month's show will be about breast cancer awareness and uh, prevention. I think I don't think we want to necessarily dwell on the treatment, although we will mention those uh, alternative medical treatments that are available uh, and are showing pretty good promise for uh, inhibiting estrogen, for example, with the aromatase inhibitors. Uh, but the prevention of it, I think, is the uh, fundamental key to good health. And so we put people's diets and lifestyles in the right place to begin with. That preventive strategy is probably a better payoff. Okay, so you're listening to Ask You, Dr. KMUD 91.1 FM. Um, we're very pleased to uh, welcome Dr. Pete to the show this evening and have his expertise with us. Um, if you live in the area, the 923 numbers, 923 or if you're outside the area, as a lot of people uh, who call in do seem to be outside the area, there's a toll-free number, which is 1-800-KMUD-RAD. Or you can alternatively just go ahead and use the 707 area code. So that would be 707-923-3911. So... Uh, just a very brief introduction for myself. Uh, my name is Andrew Murray. I graduated in England with a master's degree in herbal medicine. I uh, came to California with my wife, Sarah, who's I'm very pleased to have on the show again this evening. Sarah? Good evening. My name is Sarah Johannesson-Murray, and I'm delighted to be on the show talking about ways to help prevent breast cancer. Okay, so we run a clinic in Garberville where we see patients uh, with a wide range of conditions, uh, treat them with herbal medicine and dietary advice, as well as consult with people uh, nationwide. Okay, so, Dr. P, are you on the other line? Yes, here I am. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Um, as always, I uh, want to make sure people get an introduction from you about your academic and professional background before we get into tonight's subject. Okay. Um, I'm a biologist, a PhD from the University of Oregon, uh, specializing in physiology, uh, and especially related to aging and reproductive hormone issues. Okay, excellent. So for tonight, if not as always, uh, it's a special speciality that you have given that uh, uh, reproductive hormones uh, are surrounding the picture of tonight's uh, topic on breast cancer. So looking at um, some articles that I was reading earlier on today, um, I think most people will recognize breast cancer uh, awareness and the numbers of people that die from breast cancer as being fairly staggering. And I saw an article that was saying it was the leading cause of cancer death among women worldwide. Um, what's your opinion of the causes of breast cancer in the first place, and, and how does this differ from the medical interpretation? Um, uh, the animal studies have been pretty clear for uh, almost 100 years uh, that it is uh, a matter of uh, an estrogen-like 
irritation, if not exactly uh, estrogen in the uh, narrowest sense, but uh, the main carcinogenic substances, such as in smoke and uh, tar, uh, are estrogen-like in their structure and, and effect. Uh, so the, uh, uh, the breast is uh, very sensitive to an imbalance of estrogen-like stimulation. Uh, so it's susceptible to uh, anything that has an estrogen-like effect, including uh, smoke and pollutants of, of various sorts. Is this down to the fact that the estrogen receptors are most concentrated in the breast tissue, or that some other reason? Um, well, uh, the uh, every cell uh, has estrogen receptors, but the, the way they interact with other uh, functions, I think, is, is more important than the number of receptors, because uh, once you're exposed to estrogen, uh, a cell will produce more and more receptors, and uh, progesterone has a, a very central function of uh, destroying estrogen receptors, so huh. a breast that's uh, well balanced and exposed to enough progesterone who won't have very many estrogen uh, receptors during mm. the progesterone dominance. Interesting. So you said that the actual exposure to estrogen will cause an upregulation in the expression of estrogen receptors? Um, yeah, pretty much in oh. any cell. And oh. uh, irritation in general uh, will do that. Uh, uh, a failure of energy combined with stimulation uh, will make estrogen receptors start to appear. Uh, so that uh, old people, uh, as the energy production decreases, uh, any uh, irritation uh, tends to induce estrogen uh, uh, production as well as r r sensitivity by the uh, receptors. So, so interestingly, you're, you're, um, you're, you're talking about the causal link, if you like, or the link between estrogen and irritation and stresses. And I think later on, I just want to bring out some more questions surrounding HRT and that kind of thing and estrogen replacement therapy. And I know when we've talked about many different subjects, you do bring up estrogen as being a causative factor in a lot of inflammation and irritation and um, saying at this point in time that estrogen can be directly responsible for cancers. Um, yeah, the animal studies uh, in the 30s and 40s were very clear that it, it isn't just the, uh, the normally uh, responsive tissues like the uterus and the breast that will cancerize under the influence of estrogen and similar things, but uh, those are just the most sensitive and uh, with increased uh, uninterrupted uh, exposure to estrogen, uh, uh, the um, sequence tends to go uh, first cancer of the uterus, then cancer of the breast, uh, then of the lungs, kidneys, uh, uh, intestine and liver, and brain. Are you talking about primaries now or metastases? Uh, no, primary. Right, okay, okay. Uh, any tissue that is de-energized and irritated uh, will develop not only the 
ability to respond to estrogen, but actual ability to make estrogen. <laughs> so your fat or your skin or your liver uh, can become a source of estrogen uh, in proportion to how much stress you're under, even if you don't have ovaries. Go on. <laughs> I was going to cover the subject. I'll try and remember the subject. If I wanted to ask a question about fat and conversion to estrogen, go ahead. So it's not just our a monthly cycling that's exposing women to estrogen. Estrogen is so prominent in foods and in our environment, increasingly so with our degradation of the environment. Um, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the irritation, uh, the fat is, is particularly uh, sensitive to it. Uh, it isn't uh, very well supplied with defensive and energetic Systems and so it seems to be uh, our major age-related source of estrogen, especially if you're overweight. Interesting. Okay, so I think that's a, a subject that should be brought out a little more. So fats in their own right, and at, at this point in time, are we talking polyunsaturated fats or fats in general? Uh, that was uh, just your normal ordinary fat cells, but. Mm -hmm. Uh, since the polyunsaturated fats uh, increase the deposition and storage of fat, and uh, since they break down to form the uh, inflammation-promoting pr prostaglandins, uh, they make the, the fat cells more uh, likely to produce excess estrogen. Hmm. Do you think there's any uh, strategy to be... Um benefited uh, by the because uh, I know you mentioned too about increasing the uh, dominance in the body of saturated to unsaturated fat um, by avoiding the polyunsaturates um, and ultimately ultimately, over three or four years you say that essentially the body fat composition could be turned back to a more saturated type fat if you uh, avoid the polys and uh, yeah, uh, there's a thing called the saturation index, which is just the, the ratio between uh, a saturated fat like stearic acid and a polyunsaturated such as linoleic acid. And uh, uh, people with cancer uh, have a higher polyunsaturation, uh, lower Wait. saturation index. But you're saying a saturated fat cell is still capable of producing mm -hmm. estrogen? Uh, yeah, the, uh, the the cell which is more saturated is stabler and less likely to, to produce estrogen. But uh, the more highly uh, polyunsaturated fats are very closely connected with estrogen uh, so that the the amount in the tissue and in circulation of, of uh, say, a, a five or six unsaturated fats such as you find in uh, fish oil mm -hmm. and uh, you produce with aging. These are closely associated with the level of estrogen stimulation. Hmm. So eating nuts and seeds that are high in those polyunsaturated fats and fried foods that are fried in those corn and canola oil is going to be more promoting than an estrogenic fat and yeah, for 80 or 90 years, about every 10 or 15 years, someone has done a study uh, showing that the more polyunsaturated fat in the diet, the higher the uh, 
cancer incidence, uh, all the way down to extremely uh, rare cancer incidence when there's no polyunsaturated fat in the diet. Well, good. I, I was really just hoping that this show would just highlight again the uh, importance of uh, what you've been mentioning for many years now about improving your saturated fat intake and being very aware of the sources of polyunsaturates both in pre-made foods as well as uh, foods that you may choose to be uh, cooking cooking with and that the ramifications have a pretty a pretty wide uh, cause and effect uh, t- associated with them and, and cancer obviously is one of those effects of uh, decreasing energy um, to promote suitable responses and that because of its thyroid suppressing effects that is a direct relationship between low energy and the ability for systems to lose their correct structure and organization in terms of uh, doing the right thing one of the diet factors that shows up repeatedly in association with a low rate of cancer is a, a high fruit intake and uh, fruit eaters uh, getting the carbohydrate and the sugar uh, produce saturated fats of their own so mm-hmm. they keep a, a relatively high saturation index in their tissues. Excellent. Okay, good. Uh, but you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor, Kamey D. Garvable, 91.1 FM. Uh, this evening's uh, topic is breast cancer. Uh, and if we do get any callers here between 7.30 and 8, uh, it would be good if we can try and stay on the topic uh, that we're, we're discussing. Um, Dr. Pete, HRT, as, it's, always, uh, it's always mystified me how HRT's carried on for such a long time. I know they're just talking about it recently, that it's maybe not the best thing for women. Now they're finally saying that like they are admitting that saturated fats are actually better for you than our polys. But um, HRT is a concept. <laughs> how, do you, how do you think it came to a position where estrogen was such a promoted, supposedly beneficial for your bones, um, for ang- to, to help with um, things like age-related dementia, memory loss? And it's actually the opposite. You, you have plenty of evidence to show that it's completely opposite to that. It's actually not good for your bones, and it actually Im- increases the chances of dementia. So there is a very good essay on the Internet. I think it's still available, a, a Harvard Law School paper by Carla Rothenberg, uh, on the history of hormone replacement therapy. Carla Rosenberg? Uh, Rothen, R-O-T-H-E-N-B-E-R-G. B-E-R-G, okay. Carla Rosenberg, okay. Uh, and it, it gives the uh, uh, political economic history of how the uh, 12 big estrogen companies in 1942 got together to uh, basically take over the FDA, uh, medical journals, and universities to indoctrinate the idea that estrogen was the female hormone that would promote fertility and uh, all the good female virtues, even though it went absolutely against the uh, research of the 1930s, which showed that progesterone was the essential female hormone that uh, promoted fertility and good pregnancy success. Wow. Wow. I mean, they knew back in the 1800s that the chimney sweeps would die of right, estrogen. Cancer. Yeah, testicular yeah. cancer from the huh. estrogenic effects of the soot. 
Yeah, but this was all turned around by these 12 <laughs> giant companies uh, getting together to uh, promote the idea of the estrogen as the, the beneficial female hormone. And so they came on the market with uh, the idea that, uh, I think it was a Harvard uh, husband and wife pair of doctors that promoted the idea that you should give pregnant women estrogen to prevent uh, miscarriage and that produced the uh, generation of DES babies, wow. uh, two generations actually, their, their daughters also were susceptible to cancer. And after the news got out uh, by the late 50s that uh, estrogen was not uh, good for preventing miscarriage, they came out with uh, the contraception idea. Uh, the, they knew in the 30s that estrogen causes miscarriages <laughs> and abortion and uh, so they uh, sold it for the opposite as long as they could get away with it then came out on the market to uh, sell it to prevent uh, or interrupt pregnancies wow. so they a lot of contraceptive pills allow pregnancy or um, fertilization to occur but in, inhibits implantation is that correct um, yeah uh, my uh, thesis advisor uh, Arnold Sod Soderwall uh, did some very clear research on that, showing that a, a small amount uh, at the time of, uh, or, or just uh, just before implantation, uh, would prevent implantation. But a slightly larger amount after implantation had occurred would cause it to be ejected. And he uh, made a, a graph showing that at, at each stage of uh, pregnancy just slightly increasing the dose of estrogen would cause miscarriage uh, all the way from preventing implantation to uh, aborting it at any stage uh, it would uh, cause cause the embryo to die and uh, be, simply be resorbed oh, that's incredible I, it, it's like another worldwide uh, <laughs> I don't know you want to call it brainwashing? I don't know what it is. It's, I think it's so commonly repeated. These these different topics are so commonly repeated by broad stream media um, and those in, for want of a better word, power, the doctors, for example, um, who are looked up to and respected by most people that go to see them um, for their education and their prowess, if you like, I don't know, that... I just find it so uh, so incredible that there's evidence out there to show the opposite. In very many cases, it takes such a long time to make an impression for it to get enough groundswell for the tide to get turned on this kind of thing. I mean, estrogen has been, ever since I can remember, has been the beneficial female hormone. And HRT, and my mum was on HRT, and I know all these other women on HRT, and it's it's probably the probably one of the worst things you can do. Uh, several years ago, someone did a survey of the uh, publications just in the Journal of the American Medical Association uh, in the, the first years after the industry got this conspiracy together. They found that 200 different health conditions uh, had been published in that one journal as treatable or curable <laughs> or preventable by estrogen. Oh All of those 200 turned out to be false. Oh my goodness! Uh, the, the quantity and quality of, of the uh, fraud is just yeah, staggering. Hard to uh, understand. 
staggering. Now, didn't well, it's all marketing, marketing, marketing. Yeah. Well, what I wanted to um, what I wanted to ask you is, I think I remember hearing something like, the only thing. Well, and I and I and I've not heard you say that just a moment ago, unless I've got it round the wrong way. I thought the only really po- only beneficial thing that estrogen was uh, used for was really for uh, getting pregnant. But you're saying that actually estrogen at this time of pre just preconception or post conception would actually abort the fetus. Um. Yeah. Uh, uh, Soderwall was uh, probably the, the most concise in his experiments in in showing that. It was exactly a, a dose relationship, wow. and uh, you could shift that uh, dose relationship uh, by increasing either the amount of progesterone or vitamin E okay. as antagonists to that. And, and uh, my dissertation uh, showed that uh, that interaction worked through the availability uh, largely of oxygen, uh, estrogen. Uh, cuts off the right. availability of oxygen to the embryo, uh, making the uterus uh, short circuit, uh, mm-hmm. burn up in effect the oxygen <laughs> before the embryo gets it. And progesterone and vitamin E both uh, improve the delivery or preservation of oxygen for the. If, could you just repeat the name of the author again? I wouldn't mind taking a look at if I can find out this information myself. What was the name of the author of that? Um uh, Arnold Soderwald. Soderwald. Uh, how do you... S-O-D-E-R? S-O-D-E-R-W-A-L-L. And didn't, and didn't you say A-L-L? Okay, well, got it. All right. Didn't you say, Dr. Pete, that they didn't promote progesterone for all these 200 different diseases because it's so expensive to manufacture and estrogen is so cheap to manufacture and they wanted well, to make uh, more money off the estrogen? Uh, more than that, it was that uh, they knew uh, in the 30s uh, someone uh, simply put a, a glass plate in the smoke of a candle and then extracted the soot and found that they had a whole variety of chemical substances, uh, soot essences, uh, which were estrogenic as well as carcinogenic. And so they understood that there was an infinite uh, opportunity for having a a patentable specific estrogen uh, that you could market as your own product. But uh, anytime you change the molecule of progesterone, uh, you uh, decrease or destroy its effect. And so all those synthetic progestins actually have an estrogenic effect. Um, Yeah, because uh, progesterone, part of its effect is what it turns into, and uh, the additives uh, attached to the progesterone molecule uh, specifically uh, block its conversion into that natural range of of other steroids. And since the brain is a major uh, source and uh, uh, user of progesterone, uh, probably the worst effect of the synthetic progestins is that they interfere with uh, brain brain function. function. Oh, my gosh. So here's a, here's a hormone that helps breast cancer patients, helps pregnancies, pro-life. just has all these pro-life wonderful effects. Anti-inflammatory. And they can't patent it because it's a natural hormone. So it's not promoted. 
and it's not sold readily available? Uh, Marion Diamond, a professor at uh, University of California, uh, did studies on animals showing that estrogen in pregnancy stops the growth of the brain, especially the cortex, makes it thinner and smaller. Progesterone increases the growth, especially of the cortex of the brain, making it bigger, more intelligent, and uh, uh, less uh, psychopathic. And uh, Katharina Dalton, working in England uh, with her human patients, uh, found uh, accidentally the same thing turning out, that uh, the women who were having pregnancy difficult difficulties uh, before treatment, uh, their older kids averaged below 100 IQ. Uh, once she treated them and uh, prevented their uh, toxemia of pregnancy, uh, the kids averaged over 130 IQ. Wow. <laughs> and isn't it quite expensive for companies to manufacture pure bioidentical progesterone? Well, not compared to uh, what drugs generally cost. Mm -hmm. but, uh, well, I mean, if the raw material, if, they, if you compared raw material for estrogen, if it's just yeah, soot. Yeah, you can get a, a thousand doses of estrogen for a dollar and uh, only a few doses of progesterone for a dollar. So that it just all comes down to the dollar. Yeah. The money. I, I wanted to very quickly bring, I think we have a call on the line, but we'll take that in a moment here. I just wanted to bring out um, this thing before we would move on to strategies uh, to help women especially, because um, men do get breast cancer, but the numbers are fairly low, but women especially, um, to improve their improve their odds of not getting cancer by avoiding all those things, Dr. P, that you're going to bring out uh, from stress and its related effects with estrogen and everything else. That tamoxifen was a drug that was used to treat breast cancer, actually promoted endometrial cancer and thromboembolic events in so many people that it was given to. And... Yeah liver tumors and high uh, damage. Okay. And you mentioned that it's actually an estrogenic drug itself, very powerful estrogenic drug. Just talk um, yeah, about that it, a It's less powerful than estradiol, and so it can protect against the overproduction of estradiol, but in itself it's estrogenic. Yeah. Incredible. Okay, well, let's take this, uh, let's take this caller and uh, see where we're going with this. Hello, caller, you're on the air, and where are you from? Hi, from Kansas City. Hey, we're going there. Go ahead. Um, uh, in last month's interview on urea, Dr. Pete mentioned that up to 120 grams per day, 15 grams at a time, for getting rid of excess water. When you said excess water, what were you, what were you referring to exactly? Um, that's interesting in relation to estrogen because uh, within uh, about five minutes of an exposure to estrogen cells begin to take up a, a lot of water and that excess water stimulates cell division and uh, growth and uh, uh, that's part of the process of promoting cancer growth is uh, to keep them in an excited inflammatory state of too much water uh, which uh, keeps them from differentiating and functioning but makes them able to keep dividing and uh, uh, so the uh, uh, one of one of the uh, principles of uh, cancer treatment should be 
looking at the body's water economy. Um, one other question on that was, um, so how long or how often for the 120 grams of urea per day to actually have that benefit? Um, the, the, um, a Greek doctor, uh, Danopoulos, uh, was using uh, urea in various forms, uh, injecting it right into tumors, for example, also giving it intravenously. And uh, it can be applied in crystal or, or solid form to an open superficial tumor. Uh, it, it's a, a very strange material because it uh, doesn't uh, destroy tissue when it, even in a pure crystalline concentrated form. And the uh, 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 injecting of 50% solution or a concentrated solution uh, is possible if it goes in slowly. But people uh, are used to thinking of an osmotic effect from a, a concentrated crystalline material. But uh, urea isn't an osmolite. It has a very strange interaction with water. Uh, it can go into cells freely, just like the water. So what it's doing to uh, remove excess water from cells isn't osmotically drawing out the water. It's uh, uh, doing something, adjusting the structure of, of the cell so that it uh, doesn't have, have that excited uh, need to retain water. And the, the uh, typical uh, intravenous dose uh, would use a 30% solution uh, giving uh, maybe 20 grams at a time, but up to a total of 120 grams per day, which could be either for uh, using it as a diuretic for heart failure or for uh, inflammation of the brain when the brain uh, is holding too much water because of a, a disturbance of the uh, antidiuretic hormone or vasopressin uh, or in treating cancer. Uh, so uh, uh, 20 or 30 grams at a time can also be given orally and is well-absorbed uh, and circulates systemically, so it doesn't have to be intravenous. And uh, if it is used intravenously, it has to be added to uh, a physiological solution of uh, sodium chloride or glucose, 5 or 10% solution of glucose, uh, can have uh, 30%, uh, or not necessarily that amount, but it can have a full load of, of uh, uh, urea added to it. So you're saying that you could do 20 to 30 grams a day, which is probably about a couple teaspoons? Yeah, that much up to 120 grams. And then you'd want to dissolve it in a little salt water? Or fruit juice, um, the, the people recommending it for treating heart failure, they've had patients uh, staying on it for years uh, where the other diuretics were disturbing their mineral uh, metabolism. Uh, they uh, were very stable on using urea, and uh, uh, they recommended uh, using about uh, 20 grams at a time in a glass of fruit juice and doing that several times a day. 
So that's probably like two-thirds of an ounce. And urea is a commonly available compound. Very cheap. <laughs> Very inexpensive. And there's been lots of studies showing its benefit. Okay, well, thank, thanks for your call, caller. Um, Dr. Pete, what I wanted to... Um, I just, if I could just briefly ask your opinion of the cause of breast cancer, then we can look at the, some of the strategies that people can employ um, to uh, negate that or prevent it. Uh, the uh, standard opinion is that it's a, a genetic thing, right. either inherited <laughs> or mm-hmm. occurring randomly. Uh, and uh, uh, the evidence is just overwhelming against that, that the genetic problems almost always develop after the cancer is in progress. Uh, the uh, uh, overstimulation and under undersupply of energy to the cell uh, keeps the uh, DNA from being repaired. Uh, so uh, the stress causes the mutation uh, rather than the mutation causing the cancer. Right. Uh, but the uh, the inherited genes, such as uh, uh, what's it called, uh, BRCA, right? I think. Uh, yeah, BRAC one and two. Yeah, uh, uh, that is simply uh, an indication that the person is is more sensitive to uh, stress and to estrogen toxic effects. Uh, uh, so uh, the anti-estrogen programs are. Uh, more important, more effective for protecting them. Okay. All right. Well, you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor, KMD, Garberville, 91.1 FM. Uh, from now until the end of the show, 8 o'clock, uh, we're inviting callers to ask questions or uh, contribute with whatever they are experiencing with if they have questions for Dr. Pete uh, around tonight's subject of uh, breast cancer. Numbers uh, 923-3911 if you're in the area, or there's an 800 number, which is one 800 KMUD Rad is one eight hundred five six eight three seven two three. So, Doctor Pete, let's look, quickly look at a strategy, a strategy, uh, a lifelong strategy. For like, it's never too late to change. Um, some people leave it to the last minute. Some people get on board fairly quickly. But in terms of uh, the strategy to prevent um, that likelihood for, of occurring, given that you're saying it's very much stress related and the effects of stress probably uh, bringing in things like nitric oxide and estrogen directly increased in stress. How would you, how would you look at best uh, avoiding that? Uh, when, you, when you look at stress, uh, the falling blood sugar and rising uh, lactic acid uh, are universal uh, features of stress. And it happens that lactic acid is the main <clears throat> signal for producing the endorphins, the endogenous opiates, and uh, the uh, if you look at the effects of stress, uh, they are very closely all down the line associated with an excess and uh, prolonged uh, pr- production of the uh, endogenous opiates, and. Uh, Everything that uh, is uncomfortable uh, will increase your tendency to overproduce lactic acid. Uh, hyperventilating, for example, from anxiety uh, when you're uh, 
carbon dioxide goes down, your lactic acid goes up. And, uh, and strangely, the uh, endorphins uh, didn't get any of, of the uh, uh, bad connotations of morphine. Uh, well, I know. I mean, you hear the word endorphin and you think, gosh, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> a, a study at the University of California in San Diego uh, in the, uh, I think it was dermatology department, uh, they were uh, experimentally giving people massages and measuring their various stress hormones. They saw that massaging lowered the beta endorphin. Uh, <laughs> and uh, everything, pain or uh, overexertion, uh, anything that interferes with the energy supply, uh, will increase the, the uh, opiates or endorphins. Mm-hmm. So you would think that having a massage would increase your endorphins when in reality, of course, it's the opposite of what you're told. Because endorphins are not good. (laughs) Okay. All right. Can I move on to the aromatase inhibitors that are, I think, have become... Well, I think what Dr. Pete was trying to get to there is that the low-dose naltrexone is being used therapeutically by a lot of doctors, and it's very useful because it lowers those endorphins that are so harmful. All those endogenous opiates, opiates your body produces naturally that can be harmful in times of stress. Uh, Yeah, and everything you um, do that's good, uh, pleasure such as as the uh, massage, uh, will uh, have that same effect of protecting you against the uh, endorphins and nitric oxide. Uh, So the the naloxone or naltrexone low-dose treatment uh, has a, a wide range of anti-stress effects, uh, including uh, protection against uh, uh, promotion of cancer. Now, uh, and, and the happy factor, too, right? Um, well, uh, serotonin and uh, endorphins are often called uh, the happy hormones, but uh, actually they are the, the most Causative. important uh, mediators of, of stress and uh, downstream, uh, even though estrogen turns on uh, lactic acid and endorphins and nitric oxide, uh, the endorphins in turn activate uh, estrogen receptors, uh, aromatase, uh, prolactin, which uh, uh, acts uh, as an amplifier of uh, estrogen's effect. Uh, you get this back-and-forth action, increasing inflammation, estrogenicity, and uh, lowering energy production. Wow, so what can we do, Dr. Pete, to lower this estrogen with our diet? Um, uh, The the, uh, foods that naturally contain uh, uh, anti-aromatases, I think, are are very important. Uh, I always mention orange juice uh, and guavas, but there are lots of fruits and vegetables that uh, contain uh, similar chemicals. So the naringenin is found in uh, high, in orange juice, but also in higher levels in the in the skins. Is that what you were saying, Doctor Pete? Oh, uh, yeah. The, the oranges, the, the skin, both, orange skin. Both the juice and the uh, the, the peeling uh, contain the protective things. So uh, marmalade is another source of uh, protective substances. Anti-estrogen, breast cancer preventative 
compound. Mm-hmm. And then what about apigenin? That's another aromatase inhibitor that you were mentioning. Um, yeah, uh, I think guavas and celery and parsley are the highest sources of that. Okay, and then, uh, COX-2 inhibitors were another rationale for blocking aromatase. Um, it, yeah, a- aspirin, right. uh, for um, about 20 years, uh, I've been mentioning uh, aspirin as, as probably the safest first mm-hmm. thing that anyone uh, who worries about breast cancer sh- should uh, start. Uh, it is a, a very effective uh, way to turn off estrogen production and uh, response to estrogen. And how much a day would you recommend? Uh, the, the people with uh, uh, aggressive uh, cancer uh, probably should take four to six grams, and in that case, uh, they also need to take uh, vitamin K to prevent a bleeding problem. Hmm. Yeah, but take, um, up until the, I had a patient who was taking six grams of aspirin a day, and they just started to get the ear ringing, so up until that point where you get the ear ringing, then you know you, uh, you're at the maximum and you want to back off just slightly till you don't get that ear ringing. But you have to use a milligram not a microgram, but a milligram of vitamin K for every normal standard aspirin tablet, which is 325 milligrams. I just wanted to bring out a couple of uh, plant-based aromatase inhibitors that I, uh, I know we were taught about when we were studying. Um, mistletoe. <laughs> uh, mistletoe has been shown to be a aromatase inhibitor, and I know work was done with cancer, probably for that same reason, or, or maybe inadvertently they figured that it was helpful probably through a estrogen blocking activity well do you know much about uh, mistletoe and it's uh, uh, how it would physiologically how um, you would uh, rational rationalize it uh, about 50 years ago i i ran into some anthroposophy mm-hmm. people who uh, got me interested in it and uh, so i've followed the the, uh, the research on it but i've I don't think anything very, very new has turned up. Because <laughs> okay. the other things they mentioned were, and you did mention this last month, uh, white button mushrooms. I think the brown button mushrooms are just the same uh, kind of compounds, but there are aromatase inhibitors in white button mushrooms, and I know you mentioned a, uh, uh, a dose last month uh, that would be a realistic dose as an aromatase inhibitor. Um, yeah, the Chinese study found that uh, the women who had at least 10 grams a day on average had extremely uh, low uh, cancer mortality, and especially if they had green tea, too, right. was like uh, 88% lower. Okay, and then I think the last two things were coffee and... Um, and green and tea. Coffee and green tea, yeah. We and normal that. black tea, too. I mean, they would all have the same yeah. right. compound. Okay. And I did, there was a caller who called in about black cohosh, and that is an estrogenic herb, and I would not recommend that for treatment or use with patients with breast cancer. Or I would not recommend it to prevent breast cancer. Okay. So people people that are going through um, breast cancer treatment, and I, I don't mean to ask you about this because I know you're definitely not in favor of it, but the chemotherapy, radiotherapy approach to cancer it's just not doing it, is it? Um, yeah, uh, there's a website that 
I'm not sure <clears throat> what what is available on it, but he uh, has written some very good articles on the issue of when and whether to treat certain types of cancer. Uh, his name is Gershom Zajacek, oh, right. okay. Z-A-J-I-C-E-K. And his accent, now that he has uh, YouTube videos, it's hard to understand. <laughs> so if you can find his written articles, uh, they're quicker to, to uh, get through. But uh, from the time of Hippocrates, I think Hippocrates said that for internal cancer, uh, patients uh, who are not treated will last a long time, but those who are treated die quickly. And, uh, <laughs> Gershom Sajacek makes a similar point. And uh, 50 years ago, a, a Berkeley professor, Hardin Jones, uh, did a study and uh, clearly uh, showed that uh, the longer a person waits before treating a cancer, the longer they live. Well, and also there was that study that showed 95% of people over the age of 50 had some form of abdominal cancer. Yeah, at all times, if they died before. Yeah, if they died, uh, like in a car crash or for some other unrelated to cancer reason. And 95% of people do not die of cancer, so. Uh, Another uh, person said that uh, looking at all of the organs, 100% of people by the age of 50 have diagnosable cancer somewhere. Yeah. We wow. do. We do have a caller on the air. So let's take this. Uh, take this next caller. Caller, you're on the air. Where are you from? Uh, Garberville, here, downtown Garberville. Oh, okay, go ahead. Uh, thank you, gentlemen and lady, for uh, your wisdom and your knowledge. I have a question about a while back. I thought I understood that uh, in all the skunky vegetables, uh, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, that there's a lot of estrogen in those vegetables naturally? Is that true? They certainly contain lots of sulfur compounds. Um, Dr. Pete, uh, I think there is a... a well, they're, a they're so thyroid suppressive yeah, that thyroid. they allow estrogen to build up naturally in men and women because men actually usually have a lot higher levels of estrogen than women. But uh, are they directly estrogenic, Dr. Pete? Um, there are some studies in animals showing a direct estrogenic effect of uh, DIM and uh, its metabolite. Uh, IP3. Yeah. Those are commonly touted as uh, breast cancer preventative, endometrial cancer, cancer preventative uh, uh, compounds, and Dr. Pete just said that there's lots of studies showing that they can have estrogenic effects in and of themselves. So uh, I would say that uh, sometimes they probably do have good effects, but I would uh, wait for more research on them. Okay, well, I'm not going to worry about how many Brussels sprouts or cabbage I eat. <laughs> and I want to thank you kindly for your wealth of information, Dr. Pete, over the, the over the years here. Thank you. Good night. Well, if you're still listening, uh, caller, yeah. you can cook your your kale, which is the most nutritious out of all of them, very, very well, and cook it with lots of coconut oil, and you will reduce some of the thyroid-suppressive effects. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. All right. Um, so were you going to say anything, Dr. Pete? Yeah. On, yeah. on the topic of, of stress and cancer, mm-hmm. uh, about uh, 15 or 20 years ago, Carl Simon, Simonton was in the news uh, recommending uh, emotional therapy or uh, changing your attitude, uh, visualizing uh, 
trying to uh, have uh, uh, anything to, to reduce stress uh, as a way to uh, improve survival. He, he noticed that uh, he, was, he was a radiation uh, uh, treater of, of cancer, and he noticed that with the same treatment, uh, his patients who were cheerier lived longer. And uh, uh, later, uh, uh, a group at Stanford and UC Berkeley uh, did a study in which uh, one group of women with advanced breast cancer uh, were given uh, some kind of emotional counseling, mm-hmm. and a similar number uh, was just treated in a standard days. way. Okay. Uh, the ones with the counseling lived twice as long. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, mind mind body connection is is underestimated. So it shows the mind controls all. We do have another caller on the air, so let's take this call up. Caller, you're on the air. Where are you from? Hello, caller, you're on the air. Where are you from? Yes. Hello. Hi. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm from uh, Garverville. Um, I'd like to. You, you mentioned the the cabbage and the. And you should turn the radio down, caller, because uh, your radio's on. Oh, something's on. Oh. Okay, well, I, I want to... Is it okay now? Yeah, it's just the same. Oh, uh, okay, hold on. I'll put it down. Well, while we're waiting for... Hello, is that better? Yeah, that's better, thank you. Okay, um, yeah, I always heard that I think they call them cruciferous vegetables. Right, like yes, the brassicas. And broccoli the same thing and as the brassicas. Uh, cauliflower and, and cabbage were <laughs> very anti-cancer and were good for you, and especially the colon. Now, um, I tend to like to eat a lot of raw cabbage in salad. Is it, uh, is it any better if you don't cook it or you do cook it? You say that it suppresses thyroid? Yeah, it suppresses your basic energy currency of your body, your body's ability to use oxygen. And if it's raw, it's very, um, very potent. Actual thyroid drugs used to treat hyperactive thyroid are have the same exact compound that's in cabbage juice. So raw cabbage is particularly harmful to your energy metabolism of your body. But leaves, leaves in general uh, can stimulate the intestine so it has a, a speedier transit and a uh, uh, that reduces the recycling mm. of estrogen. Uh, the liver uh, excretes estrogen in the bile, and if you have slow transit, tend to be constipated, then much of that estrogen is reabsorbed and circulates again in the body. So, so in other words, if you do eat like something like cabbage, it can make the, everything move through your intestines more quickly. Right, but there's safer things you can eat to move, get your intestines moving, like raw grated carrot, and you could eat spinach or chard that you cook with a little bit of baking soda, and that will get your intestines well, moving. Well, what about raw foods? What about, uh, I heard that, you know, that they have good enzymes in them. They help digest the cooked food, like if you have, you know, salad with uh, raw, uh, okay, carrots and, and, and cabbage and lettuce and uh, that sort of thing, that that's good for you. Dr. Um, Pete? Uh, there is always the risk that uh, since humans can't digest cellulose at all, uh, but bacteria can. Uh, the uncooked food is uh, great for bacterial uh, replication, but uh, very poor for uh, human nutrition. Uh, and so it's a risk and, and can cause uh, 
Well, what about fresh fruit? Well, fresh fruit doesn't have such high cellulose content. Yeah, the low low fiber fruits are very good. So, but you wouldn't, you, you don't think raw vegetables are good? With? I mean, I always thought only raw, raw carrot because the bacteria can't digest the raw carrot fiber like they can. But if uh, everything, if if it helps move through your intestines quickly, well, then that's why you choose the things that are safer to help your intestines move more quickly. Well, then why do we keep hearing? that one of the best things to eat to prevent cancer is the cruciferous vegetables. Unfortunate mis, uh, misinformation. It's Why not, do we it, keep hearing that HRT yeah. is supposed to be protective for yeah. your bones? Why do we keep hearing that estrogen is good for you? Why do we keep hearing that sugar is bad for you? It's unfortunate. I think we have to call that the evening, but uh, thank you so much for callers uh, who called in, and thank you, Dr. Pete, for your time. Okay. I'll just let people know how to get hold of you. Um, yeah, I think I just want to sum the show up by saying that what you've heard this evening, have a have a rethink about it because you probably never really heard it before and what you have heard is not the truth. And it's so easy it's so easy um to get brainwashed um by media and by companies uh, producing product that it's very important that you do your own research because you will find the truth out there and people like dr pete have spent in most of his life researching uh, either directly or looking at peer-reviewed papers um, and looking at the scientific evidence so it's unfortunate we get bombarded but we do have the ability to uh, turn on the turn on the computer and do our own research um, but just uh, thanks once again for joining us with the show um his number or rather his website is www.raypeat.com r-a-y-p-e-a-t um and we can be reached uh monday through friday uh on our toll-free number one eight 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 wbm herb so good night thank you for listening my name is sarah johannesson murray and my name is andrew murray good night everybody 759 in the p.m you got to turn in kmud garberville 91.1 fm and hd1 kmu eureka 88.1 fm and hd1 klai Laytonville 90.3 fm shelter cove has got us at 99.5 and the rest at kmud.org support for our kmud comes from the inn of the lost coast in shelter cove fireplace spa and sauna suites overlooking the ocean offer views of the migrating california gray whales fish tank 